Have you been scrolling through many, many, many film podcasts thinking there's far too many of these? Or have you been thinking there's something missing? There's something we're not quite getting. A waffler from Northern England reviewing films, for example. Welcome to oh, Review It Yourself. No politics, no pandering, no point. This is one of those films that you you watch and you think, oh, this is mint. I've got to tell people about this. And you say to people, either you work with or your mates, oh, have you seen this film? Have you seen this film, Elephant? And they're like, no, is, is it any good? You go, oh, it's mint, like, you need to see it. And then, because you really want to talk about it, but they just haven't seen it. The next time you see them, oh, did you watch that film? Oh, no, no. You're like, oh, I wish somebody else watches this so I can talk about it. Thankfully, we've got podcasts and social media to talk about things now. Don't have to rely on your friends to not watch a film anymore. Welcome to oh, Review It Yourself. Today's film is, uh, of course, Elephant. Uh, it's a 2003 uh, Gus Van Sant film. Um, it was written and directed by him. I just stumbled across this film. I was, I was reading about River Phoenix, as you do. And I'd seen he'd done, like, one of his most famous roles was in a film called My Private Idaho, which, I, which I've never seen. And I saw it starred him and Keanu Reeves. I thought, oh, I'll have to give that a go. And then I, w- I was just looking at the the films of the director, because I thought, I've heard of Gus Van Zandt, but I've never seen any of his films. And I, with this, this podcast, and I've been trying to fill in a lot of the gaps that I've got in my cinema, you know, my films, if it, as, if, uh, as it were. So, for example, I've been re-watching this, not re-watching the Star Wars, I've never seen them before, so I've been watching those. I've seen the first one now, and the Rogue One, I know, don't ask. Um, so, yeah, so that, that that was how I came across Elephant. So it starts off um, with a shot of power lines and the clouds going by with the sound of, like, American sports. I think it's, like, American football um, being played, I think. And the actors and actresses are all unknowns. They're played by college kids, uh, like, actual, you know, you know, like, when you watch films, as much as I love them, like, Father's Nations, and films like that, where they're supposed to be kids in, I don't really understand the way that American schools work, because they call their uh, universities colleges, and it doesn't, I don't understand it. But they always show, like, their secondary schools, having, like, people who are supposed to be, like, 15, 16, 17, and they look about 20, and you're like, yeah, there's a big difference in how you look when you're, like, 15, 16, to how you look when you're 20. There just is. And so this film, they're all unknowns and they're played by the people their age. And most of the cast, their name is their actual name. First name, at least. Um, And I don't think any of them were actors before. I think there's only one person I recognise. I I don't even know his name, but I know him from uh, from films as the the principal. It's the only one that I know. And it's it, we see it's daytime there's like beautiful trees you can see it's the autumn or the fall as the americans call it um you know the greens the oranges of the leaves all along this like classic american avenue road and there's a car driving really slowly like i was going to say on the wrong side of the road but i'm not going to get into that uh it's, it's on technically the right side of the road for america and it's swerving all over the place it clips a car knocks its wing mirror off and I'm thinking, oh, you're either drunk or young. 
or both. And then we see the title card of John, and it's a young blonde lad, about 15, 16, I think. Um, and he's he gets out the car. And see, this thing sometimes, if you haven't watched an American film in a while, I was confused, like, oh, the kid's driving. But it he wasn't. It's just, anyway, the steering wheel's on the other side, isn't it? And <laughs> I'm clever, I promise. And he's like, oh, dad, mum's going to kill you. And his dad's well hammered, like absolutely hammered. And he's like, great, dad, get out, I'll drive. And and his dad's like, oh, seatbelt. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, safety first, mate, yeah. And his dad's like, what's the big deal? Want to go hunting this weekend? And, I mean, I watched this film about two or three days ago, and I've given it a chance to marinate in my head, as it were, you know, because it's one of those films that seems to be quite simple, but the more you think about it, the more you, you think of different aspects and different, like ways you can look at things think, oh yeah that that could mean this and that could mean that it, it's full of red herrings as well and i like a film that's that's a thinker um so they'll want to go hunting this weekend it's it's quite subtle but it's in terms of america's gun culture and how it's you know they go hunting uh it's it, it's it's difficult to understand I gather if you're not American or you're not from a country that has a whole a hunting culture. I don't think England's got a hunting culture. Not, you know, not regular people, you know. We, we, we don't hunt. Um, the upper classes, I mean, there's fox hunting. There's a lot of rules and stipulations about that now. But, yeah, it's, it's so it's quite alien to, to other parts of the world, but it's a big part of their culture, their heritage, which, which is fair enough. Um, you know, that make their own decisions upon it. I'm not going to get into gun control or anything like that. Well, that was a tangent. Where was I up to? Okay, so this is only the first scene. Um, then, it, so what it does, it, the film jumps between um, different characters throughout and then draws them in to where they all are when they inevitable. Well, it's not inevitable. It's inevitable because you know it's coming, but when the, the shooting starts... And we then jump to uh, Elias, and he's just a kid walking, uh, this young kid walking across a, like a leaf-covered lawn. He bumps into this goth couple. I'm pretty sure it says goth in the, um, uh, what's it called, in the end credits. And I'll just say punk, something like that. And he says, oh, can I take your picture? And they're, they're walking from the school, and, he's, and they're like, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, he takes a couple of pictures of them. And he's like, oh, I'll give you guys a print. It's from my portfolio. Um, you know, I've got to get to school. So then we see Johnny pulls up to school and he, he says to his dad, dad, stay in the car. He goes into it because he's late now. He gets inside, he gets on a payphone and he rings his brother. He says, Paul, it's John. Yeah, dad's drunk again. So it's not the first time this has happened. As he puts the phone down, um, Mister, he turns around and Mr. Lewis, the, the head teacher, principal, whatever, um, is there. And he's like, oh, sorry, I'm late. And the, the t- he pulls him up for being late. You see John sat outside the principal's office on like a sofa and he just lays his head back. I mean, this definitely isn't the first time this has this has happened. Um, and he's not angry. He's just resigned. Just, you know, this is just something I have to get through and then I can get back to class. Um, okay, then we cut to a sports field and there's a girl with like a W jersey on, a W jumper on. I think it's for Wolves. It must be like the school's football team or mascot team or whatever and everybody around her is you know doing sports and everything like that and she she stops and looks up at the sky 
Um, you can tell she's kind of a nerdier, um, which shocking I was um, at school. She's more of a nerdier student. She she stops and looks at the beauty of, of the world around her rather than just. Yeah, and then this is where the classical piano music plays, and this plays throughout the film, really, um, quite a lot. It's a funny thing in this film that the, the dialogue's not very important. They, they shot it and basically said to the actors and actresses, right, um, we want you to talk about, I don't know, where you're going to shop this weekend, off you go, and really gave them very little so that the the conversations, especially the younger people, would come across as more realistic, which it absolutely does. Um, we see a, red, a guy in a red lifeguard hoodie, um, who we find out is Nathan, um, and there's this there's long static shots throughout, uh, steady cam shots where, um, which is like handheld, and it's that follow Murray across the lawn towards the school buildings, and it's just so normal, like it's almost uninteresting. Like I understand why some of the reviews for this film say that it's boring and it's like, you know, 90 minutes of my life, I'll never get back. No, it's not even 90 minutes. I think it's 83 minutes of my life, I'll never get back. And you think, yeah, you've completely missed the point. I think it's not a film for you. You know, go watch a Michael Bay or something. Not that we don't all like a Michael Bay film every now and again. Um, and there's no mobiles. I mean, that's the most surprising thing when you watch it is there's no mobiles because it's the early 2000s. Um, that's the, If it weren't for that, it could be... It could be any any secondary school from from then until now. You could you could say it was now, and I don't think people would massively notice. Okay, so we then follow um, Nathan up the stairs, and it's the film's very rich in color outside, and then very dark inside. Even though they've got those like hospital type lights that are really harsh, um, I don't know if that was intentional. I I took it to you know, to mean that outside of that place, you know, you felt free and then inside you felt very trapped and constrained, like there was nothing else going on. It was quite dark. And this classical music continues, this piano playing. Um, we follow them out onto like a walkway um, between two buildings. And this kid, it's just so like normal, like kids are practicing breakdancing, skateboards. It's so beautifully early 2000s. Um and there's a, like these three girls, and they give Murray like uh, give Murray a a good look. Um, and there's no there's no verbal dialogue, just just the music and like ambient noise. And he Nathan meets up with his girlfriend, and they're just talking. It's just very everyday talk. I, I couldn't even tell you what they were talking about. Not in a bad way, but the music often plays over the top of it. Not in an annoying way, but more in a way to say like this is what they're talking about isn't important. Um, we just you're just supposed to get a flavour of, of what these what these characters are, and I've seen. Uh, well, we'll talk a bit more about it towards the end. I'm going to go through the film, and then we'll um we'll go through like thoughts towards the end. So then we go we see Elias. Um, no, that's not right. We see John. Sorry, he's in detention, and he leaves the car keys at reception for his brother to come and collect. And the the camera just slowly pans around as everyone, so it like moves around the room as everyone has conversations, you know, teachers, students, uh, the, like the cafeteria staff we see later on. Um, and the shot follows Elias down a corridor um, to some sort of break room. And he, he puts his, his like head in his hands and rubs his eyes. 
um, he's crying and a girl comes in and is like, oh, what's wrong? Are you crying? And he's like, yeah, I was a bit. She's like, is it something bad? And he's like, he, he doesn't say out. And she, she kisses him on the cheek and he's, he's surprised and she says, I'll see you later. And I thought, because when I first watched this film, I thought that John was going to be one of the shooters. I thought they were setting it up to be, um, you know, he's got all sorts going on at home and maybe people are mean to him. And I think it's, it's, it, it might be wrong, not wrong to say it, but it might just be the way I interpret it that that this this kid John has stuff going on, but because he he's got a glimmer of hope, if you will, like he's got this girl who's interested in him, that helps, you know, even though he's going through rough stuff, um, he's got his brother to help him, and you know he's got this girl who seems interested in him. But as I say, we only we only get like a flavor of of these characters, um. Uh, so then we follow Acadia and she's the girl who kissed him and they're in sociology no well see I thought it was some sort some sort of sociology class but when I read on IMDB and uh, Wikipedia apparently and, and of quite a few other reviews apparently it's some kind of gay straight alliance um I, I, yeah I mean I thought it was we, we have different type um different type of like it's not something I've heard of um Maybe it's, it's it's American thing, and they're just discussing. Can you tell if someone's gay in terms of wearing rainbow colours and etc. And it's a very very frank conversation that this teacher, well, the teacher doesn't really talk, but it's a very frank conversation that they're having, like teenagers would like teenagers would have, like no one's sat there getting offended or saying you shouldn't say this, you shouldn't say that. The teenagers, the forty, the fifteen, sixteen year old, they're not out into the real world yet, for the most part. Um, you know, they're not out into the world of work and the world of being an adult. They they, they just have this frank, com- this really, really frank conversation about people wearing rainbow colours and short hair and this, that and the other. And um, it doesn't overplay it. And, and I, I like that. I like the fact that it was, it was so honest and so like, like you talk when you, when you're a teenager, you, you don't, you don't tend to think, you can see a lot of the characters um, and uh, the thinking very, very short term. They're not thinking long term. Um, and we see Nathan and Carrie, the the lifeguard and his girlfriend, and they're walking down a corridor talking about some party later. Um, they walk past John taking a picture of uh, Eli. And John and Eli, like, fist bump, talk quite happily. Um, then they part ways. One goes down one corridor, one goes down the other. Um, and one thing that the film does, um, it follows Elias down a corridor, but it has very wide shots. So it has like the floor, the person and the ceiling, like the whole figure in shot. Um, and I, I, I don't know whether that was done to emphasize how alone everybody seems to be. It's almost as if you could draw a box around everybody. You know, they all seem very separate from each other. Um, and they all seem detached to, to some extent. Just some are more detached than others. Then the camera follows um, John outside. No. I might have said Elias. I keep doing that. Um, it follows John outside. And uh, his dog's there. His brother's come to pick the car up. And he throws a stick and the dog jumps in the air. And the, it, slow, it slows down slightly. And like there's a slow motion shot, and I think it signifies that the switch between the mundane 
and the horror to come. Um, he sees two guys from the school carrying, walking across the lawn, carrying in wearing combat gear, so like uh, camouflage gear, uh, carrying like big holdalls. And he says, "What are you guys doing?" And they say, "Get the f out of here." There's uh, there's going to be a there's going to be a, a storm. And he's like, "What what are you doing?" And then we see the title card saying Eric and Alex. And we go back to earlier that there's physics class and they're talking about atoms and this is where we follow Alex. Um, people are throwing a few things at the, at the lad at the back of the class um, with black hair and this is Alex. He wipes down his jacket in the toilet. I think he's got like spitballs and all sorts of crap chucked at him. Um He's a very, very young kid. Well, I mean, he's, well he's, he's like 15. You can tell he's young, like 15, 16, because he's um, like, you can see the acne on his face. Um, he's there looking at this, looking at the lunch menu. But he then seems to kind of look around as if he's scoping out the room. You know, he's quiet. He's unassuming. He's just making notes in a small notepad. And a girl says to him, oh, what's that? He's like, oh, it's my plan. And she's like, for what? He's like, oh, you'll see. But not in a threatening way. He's just There's an ambient noise all around him. People talking. Um, they, you see life's going on around him and he's just completely disconnected from it. And the noise, the ambient noise from people talking gets louder and louder and he holds his head and rubs his face uh, as, if, as if it's painful to him. And again, this is another red herring that's thrown in there. Maybe does he have some kind of um, mountain illness? you know, going on that he just can't cope with this. We see Elias, that's the kid with the camera, talking to a girl. He's heading to the dark room to develop some prints. And he happily talks to her about his portfolio and she's doing her portfolio because they're in this kind of photography classroom. Um, and as I said before, this film, it's almost like the, the film equivalent of a chess game. Um, and I was thinking, you know, is it fair to say there's a sense of foreboding? Well, I mean, there isn't for them. Because it's just an, a regular day, but for the audience, there is because we we've got some idea of what's coming. Um, and even myself, I mean, I, I got the DVD and I, I had a vague idea of what it was about. So we we know it's going to be about a school shooting, but that they, they don't. So there's there's a then there's a long shot following Elias into the photo lab rooms, and he goes into a dark room. There it goes to black, and then we see the title card and it says Michelle and this is the girl who we saw at the beginning looking up at the looking up at the sky um, wearing uh, like a jumper, a jersey in I think she's in, what do they call it? Sport on, well we call it PE um, gym, so whatever they call it right and the teacher's talking to her about not wearing shorts for gym uh, PE, she's like I don't want to talk about it and the teacher's like, okay, but next time I need, I need to see you with shots. And she's she's like, oh, okay. And then you get the impression she's not the most body conscious girl. Um, she goes into this empty gym hall, and it's this big empty sports hall. Light bounces off the like the polished wooden floor. And um, Elias then comes out of the quick out of the dark room. He's sorting out chemicals and reel of film. And he puts the reel of film into this like little metal container with chemicals, and he he like waves it back and forth in his hand to to mix around the chemicals. I imagine, 
Um, and the noise it makes is almost like a ticking clock. And it, it's a very quiet film so far. There's not much direct dialogue to speak of. Um, it is honestly as if somebody, as daft as this sounds, it's as if somebody made themselves invisible and just followed a bunch of young people in a, in a secondary school, just, which sounds creepy when you put it like that, but that's not what I meant. Um, just, you know, just follows them around and just films their everyday life. Now, almost like a, like a pseudo documentary type, except they don't know the camera's there. So they're not like, hi, you know, it's not that kind of, anyway. Um, then um, it goes to like a girl's like locker room type thing. And uh, Michelle takes out this, she undoes this padlock and takes out this basket drawer. She puts her jumper on um, and girls are talking, but no one talks to her. And the camera stays on her. as She sorts out her shoes and her socks and, as she leaves, we hear someone say loser in the background. You know, could be at her, could be at somebody else. Um, but it just, once again, just subtly reinforces the, the hostility that you get in in schools. Okay, so we see Alex, he gets home. Uh, it's a nice house. Uh, there's no one there. Parents are presumably at work. He drinks milk out of a, out of the packet. Um, he's just a typical teenager. Uh, you see Elias, the camera guy, is talking to people in the photo lab. And they talk about um, contrast and school plot assignment, uh, school photo assignments. And, you know, I, I wrote down that you'd think it would be boring, but it's interesting to see how all the pieces in this kind of chess set come, come to be in their particular positions when the shooting starts. Um, not that I'm being flippant about the subject at all, uh, by describing it as a chess set. It's just the kind of the feeling I got whilst watching it. Um, Elias walks out of the photo lab. The camera follows, follows him down the corridors. And again, he's completely in shot. So again, enhancing that separation that they all seem to have from each other. And the music begins and it's like wind instruments and classical piano. Uh, the noise of the, foot, uh, of the lunchroom grows. And the footsteps get louder. We meet John. Uh, we saw this scene earlier. But from John's perspective, so so Elias meets John and we see the same scene, but from Elias's perspective um, where he takes his picture uh, because, you know, the, you get the, 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 I don't know, they're not great friends with each other, but they the, the get on well. The camera uh, then follows Elias to the library and you see Michelle's a, a library helper. And I wrote down, you know, 37 minutes in and we basically followed characters around. There's no great development, but we get an idea of who they are, what their interests are, like a flavour of who they are. You know, it's, it's not boring. You'd think it would be, uh, but it, it, it really it really isn't. It, it, it's impressive that it manages to do this without making you go, oh, this is still made and, and turning it off. We It cuts to black and it says Brittany, Jordan and Nicole. Couldn't tell you which is which. Um Three girls, like kind of at like the cool group. Uh, Nathan walks past the lifeguard hoodie uh, guy. And we saw this scene from his perspective earlier where they give him a good look up and down. Uh, they talk about their mums going through their stuff. We follow them into the cafeteria and they're all just counting down the days to college. Um, two of the chef's guys are just having a cigarette in like a small cupboard. And the camera follows the girls from a distance as they walk through this like packed cafeteria. And we see John walk outside with the dog, which means the boys must almost be in the school. And the girls are just talking about how much uh, time one of them spends with each other. And they're all like, oh, well, I'm going shopping. 
uh, the three girls head out with their trays and they're barely eating anything, any of them. Uh, the camera pans past a few people and it just lingers for a moment on each of the conversations, you know, as if to say, you know, we'd love to get to know everybody, but we, we can't. But everybody will be, a, you know, a victim of this tragedy, whether they get hit or not. Uh, they head to the toilet, the three girls, and then they go into the cubicles, uh, what do the Americans call them, stalls, and they all start throwing up. So the, the, they've all um, got some kind of eating, um, um, what do they call it, uh, like eating disorder. And I was like, well, I wasn't expecting this at all. Um, and But it, it doesn't linger upon it. And then Eric, um, no, Eric and Alex. So Alex is at home. He's playing. This is the the kid from earlier who was getting all the stuff shot at him. He's playing the classical music. So the music we've we've been hearing throughout. And he's clearly very very talented. He's at home. Someone knocks on the window um, from outside in a hoodie, and it's it's quite shadowy. It pans around his room. The sketches around his room quite quite good sketches as well. Uh, it pans to his stereos TV. There's this there's the sketch of an elephant kind of unfinished with bone and sketch outlines underneath. And I think that the title of the film alludes to, or it could perhaps allude to the elephant in the room that, that shootings, you know, happen in America and yet it's not talked about much. It's almost an accepted part and parcel of, of, of what, of, of what happens in that country. And, you know, this film is, is showing the, the tragedy of almost like the, this kid's clearly talented. He's got a future. Um, his mate stood in the doorway, um, the blonde, uh, he's got blonde hair. This is Eric. And he says, oh, that's awesome. What's up? And he lies on Alex's bed and grabs his laptop whilst Alex continues to play music. And the, Eric, we never actually see at school until the shooting. So I don't know whether they were trying to say he's a bit of a slacker or he, he's clearly not as clever as as alex um the music builds to a crescendo and then the camera slowly creeps towards his mate on the bed um and i was thinking what what is he looking at on the um on the computer because he's, he's chewing gum he's looking very intensely at the screen and you see he's playing this online game where you shoot people all around you in like a virtual desert um, and he changes weapons and i was thinking is it trying to insinuate that he's the driving force behind this and the Alex is just kind of brought along because he's been bullied. And then, but almost the same minute I thought this, I thought, well, no, hang on a minute. Like the Alex guy was like scoping out the cafeteria earlier, making the plan. Alex stops abruptly. He hits a wrong key and he sticks his middle fingers up at the music sheet and just stops playing. And he looks at, then he takes the, takes the computer uh, off his mate and says, oh, um, his mate jokes with him, oh, you suck, and they, they laugh at each other. And he says, he looks at Guns USA, and they're ordering guns on online. We get a shot of the, the sky turning to dusk uh, with just uh, the noise of the wind, and then we hear thunder as the clouds begin to darken. And you get, you know, the, that sense of foreboding and the sense that, that a storm is coming. Um intensifies really so 50 minutes in and barely anything's happened actually happened really um thunder crackles alex um who's playing the piano is asleep on his bed fully clothed he hasn't even bothered to take his shoes off um books are on his bed the titles are hard to see but one of them is like how to kill his mate um eric's asleep on the sofa 
with a book about mercenaries uh, on his chest where he's fell asleep. Um, so they're having breakfast at Alex's house and Eric is, I mean, he's, he's that young, he's still got braces, Eric. Um, just again, reinforcing how young they all are. And Eric says, oh, what's that smell? Oh, it's just your mum. And his mum's like, well, you could eat somewhere else. So again, you, you don't you don't know what Eric's home life's like. We'd never see his parents or we'd never hear anything about it. But if he's if he regularly eats at his friend's house, then you know you don't know what's going on at home. So there's another avenue that, that they kind of dangle and say, oh, it could be something to do with this, but then they never give you an answer. It's one of those films that you either love or hate. It, it, it doesn't give you any answers. In fact, you probably leave the film with more questions than you had when you first started. Um, so the mum and dad leave for work. They say to Alex, oh, lock the door. And then we see Alex and Eric just, just waiting in the house. And they watch. Well, see, they're not even watching it. Like, it's just done in the background. Like, it's not, um, it's not a video. I think it's just on television. And it's a documentary about Nazi Germany. And the noise of the documentary, again, is like other parts of the film. It's louder than their conversation. So the film doesn't want a category to give them a motive or a reason. I think one of them even, I think Eric says to Alex, oh, that's Hitler, right? Like, they don't even seem to, and he's like, oh, yeah, it is. They don't even seem to really know who he is. It's not, they're not sat there taking notes. They're not interested. I mean, it's almost as if the film's saying they're too young for ideology. They're too, they're too young to subscribe to something like that. They're just... It just seems to be on in the background, but will it later on be used to try and say, oh, they watched Hitler documentaries? Well, so do I, but I'm not going to walk into a whatever. Um, it's, um, I, I'm trying to discuss it openly, but not be flippant about it because it, I know it happens a lot and it, it's awful. Um, and I don't, I don't want to, you know, you want to be sympathetic because this happens in real life, unfortunately, quite regularly and people, people's kids lose their lives. So you try to discuss it as openly as I can, but um, you got to remember it, it is, it is just a film. Um, so, but it does happen in real life. Um, anyway, so uh, as they're watching this, they're just chatting away, getting ready to, uh, a package arrives and the, the delivery guy's really, really kind of um, happy. Like he's like, "Oh, you guys must be out of school today, huh?" And they're like, "Oh, that's great. Thanks very much." And so he knows how old they are, but he doesn't mention anything. I mean, I don't know. He he presumably doesn't know what's in the box. Um, and it, it's shockingly easy how how they manage to get hold of the weapons. They get this long box. Alex cuts it open, and I think it's an M sixteen rifle. I think it's like the gun you see in Vietnam films. I'm not great with guns. Um. And they go into the garage. Alex shoots six times. And then Eric's like, oh, dude, that was awesome. And Eric shoots the gun after him into like a lot of small wooden fire logs that got stacked up in the garage, presumably for some wood burners they've got. Then we see, we see uh, Michelle. And I was thinking, oh, is she, is she crying? She runs past um, Elias taking John's picture. And Michelle, uh, she goes to a teacher's office. But it's not a teacher's office. Uh, she's ran to the library. She was going to be late because uh, she's like a library monitor. And with 57 minutes in, a gun uh, cocks behind her and she turns around confused. So we go back again. So the non-linear storytelling, we go back again to earlier in the morning. We see Alex get in the shower. Um, 
then Eric appears and he gets in and says to him, oh, I guess this is it. And Eric says to Alex, oh, you know, I've never even been kissed of you. And Alex is like, no. And then uh, they kiss and then it, it cuts to um, Alex like doing up his shoelaces. They're all in the combat gear. Now, I've seen reviews where people have been annoyed with this aspect. That it's a kind of comment on sexuality or saying that they did this shooting because they were gay and repressed. And, um, and I personally think that it's not about each other. It's not about the other person. You see throughout the film the selfish, the narcissistic, the psychopathic, arguably. Um, Eric instigates it and he's lamenting the fact that he's never kissed anybody. Um, and I think it's more about them experiencing something for themselves than it is about the other person. But anyway, I mean, I can't read mad. Are they attracted to each other? They might be. I don't know. We only see a short snippet in this that other stuff might happen. We don't know. But what my argument would be is that you see, especially later on, where Alex guns down Eric mid-sentence that there really are no feelings there. There might be from Eric to Alex, but there certainly are from Alex to Eric. But the film does not give you any 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 other aspect to this. Again, not that I think the director was being flippant about it. Again, I think it's another another red herring that another little thing that's thrown in, like the bullying. Um, you know, like these other other ideas that are thrown at yeah, America's gun. Uh, control how easy it is to get them all these little th- you know the nazis how all these little things are thrown in they kiss in the shower all this stuff's thrown in as if like could be this could be this could be this um you know who knows alex, alex is lacing up his boots and again it thinking about it it made me think that the more accessories to each other like physically and metaphorically um that you know they've just kissed in the shower, but there's a complete lack of emotion between them. They don't talk about it. They don't talk about. Um, they're just getting into their combat gears, just talking and joking. Then Alex pulls out the plan, and he's he's clearly the brains of the operation. It's a detailed diagram of the school with a list of people. He's talking, saying, "We park here. We go past this, and go past that." Um, he says, "Oh, if we go through areas which aren't used anymore, and we see clips of them doing this." Uh, the plan that they've got in their head, and they say, oh, we should be able to pick off kids here, there. Um, they plan explosions so they can flush the kids into certain areas and bottleneck. And Alex talks so dispassionately, um, and he says to Eric, oh, most importantly, have fun, man. And it, it was it was Eric who looked, if anything, um, the one who looked more daunted, more regretful, even, maybe. With the plan, but then you could argue, is he just trying to remember it? Because he's not as bright as Alex and it's not his plan. They get into the car. There's a devil face as an air freshener. There's a slight smash on the windscreen. They don't talk to each other. They drive in silence. We see them walk across the lawn. This is where we see John. He says, don't go in there. John runs and tells Peter, oh, please, please don't go in there. Um, They're waiting in the corridor. The bomb fails to go off and Alex says, right, let's go to plan B. Uh, John runs around the school and says, oh, please don't go in there. And he, his dad's disappeared, so the car door's open. Um, the boys walk down the corridor into the library. 
They cock the gun, and this is where Michelle turns around. Elias thinks it's some kind of joke and takes a photo of them. Then they shoot Michelle, point blank. Then Elias is shot. Then they start shooting everybody. Uh, we see the three girls from earlier in, in, the, in the toilets. A girl runs in and hides in one of the stalls. Alex walks in with a shotgun and points the gun at them. And then it cuts. We hear gunshots. A kid gets shot. Um, a teacher drags him in. The kids are running. There's so much confusion. We follow um, a kid down a corridor. And uh, this is Benny. And you hear gunfire screams. There's a fire. Uh, one of the explosions appears to have gone off. I was thinking, mate, why aren't you running? But not everybody runs in a situation like that. Um, he helps a girl out of a window who seems like paralyzed with fear and then turns around. And uh, the lad Benny, he's like an he's like a, an athletic uh, kid. Um, he's a big he's a big lad. Um, compared to the rest of the kids, and you're thinking, why isn't he running away? Does he know Eric and Alex? Does he does he want to talk to them? Does has he got an idea who it is? And Mr. Lewis, the head teacher, is shouting for the kids to get out. Eric fires in the air, chasing him, and he, he hits the ground. And he says, Eric, why are you doing this? Put the gun down. Uh, John finds his dad outside. His, da his dad's sobered up. Uh, the school's on fire behind them. And his dad's like, oh, I'm so sorry, my God. The school alarms are going off as Benny walks towards voices. Um, because the only people talking would be Eric and Alex. All the other people are either screaming or running or crying and trying to get away. Um, and it's Alex, it's not Alex, sorry, it's, it's Eric talking to the head teacher. And Benny walks up to him and he just turns on the spot and shoots Benny dead. So we don't get much chance to to get to know Benny at all. Um, and then Eric says to the head teacher, there are other kids out there who will kill you if you F with them like you did me and Alex. Go. And then you see the shot from right in front of it. It's the, one of the closest shots you see. Of, from the head's face as he runs and he, he barely gets six or seven paces when Eric just guns him down now we follow Alex through the school and he hears water pouring music's kind of distorted we hear birdsong through the open window so again just playing on that idea that maybe Alex has, has got something mentally going on uh, and you're thinking like who or what is he looking for we see Nathan and his girlfriend they're still in the building they see Alex and run. Alex walks through like the dessert cafeteria. He sits and he now hears the birds singing. The bird song's really loud. He sits on a chair and just enjoys the quiet. He has a sip of someone's drink. Uh, whilst there's a cook dead on the floor behind him. It's almost strange as if he's as if he's at peace. It just it juxtaposes beautifully with the scene from earlier where he's surrounded by life and he can't cope with it. Um, then Eric appears and says, don't drink that, man. You'll get herpes or something. The bird song gets louder. And Alex says, oh, how did you do? And Eric says, oh, I killed the principal and some other people. And then mid-sentence, um, he just hits the deck um, because Alex has, Alex has shot him. Uh, Alex walks into frame. He's absolutely, he's just completely unemotional. His breathing's a bit heavier, but I mean, he's looking around guns and 
ammunition. So it could just be that. He doesn't appear saddened at all, which I again use to back up my point that they don't care about each other. I mean, Alex certainly doesn't care for Eric. And another point about, I mean, I'd, I don't know much about it, but I know I can see when someone's holding something clunkily and they're not holding it very well. You can see the, the both boys don't hold the guns particularly well. Um, Alex hears something again, just reiterating how young they are. Alex hears something and walks around to check it out. He heads to the cooler uh, freezer area near the cafeteria. He finds Nathan and his girlfriend hiding and he starts to say, eeny, meeny, miny, more. And the camera pans out and cut right out and cuts to the sky before we see what happens. So he's basically saying a nursery rhyme uh, about a Tiger to decide who he's going to shoot first. And we hear the classical music and it's slightly distorted as if it's heard through water. The credits roll um, to this, um, and that that's the film. Now, I, you know, I, I wrote, you know, while that was something else, I'd read a few films that, a uh, few films, I'd read a few reviews that said, it, you know, the film was a bar. It definitely wasn't. Um, I thought it was, you know, a stunning statement upon shootings that, that sometimes there's not always, a, you know, a clad iron reason for why a normal day just turns into bloodshed. Um, it, it's one of those films that, that and people say this a lot, but it, it's a film that will stay with you long after you've watched it. Um, and I, I don't often gush about films. You know, I say they're all right. It was decent. Um, but this is one of those films. I'm just like, how have I not seen this before? Um, I'll definitely be seeking out more uh, Gus Van Zandt films. If this is the standard, then what, what are the other ones like? You know, it won't appeal to everybody, but it's a film that will at least generate conversations. Um, and I watched the, the DVD extras and Gus Van Zandt spoke about not showing building up the personalities, but making it more mundane, more ordinary, um, just to show an, who they are by seeing how disconnected or ordinary they are. And it was he wanted it to be boring, you know, not like a movie, uglier than a movie. Uh, Van Sant says the characters are based upon archetypes you knew from school, the sports guy, you know, the sensitive girl, the this, that, and the other. And the teenagers, they were all young people who were their actual age, and this helped keep away from trained actors. And he makes the point about having to always pass off 20-year-olds as younger uh, that's difficult because they walk differently and talk differently and they've got more life experience and it, you, you can't get rid of that even though they're acting. And this start, the film started off as a documentary about the Columbine massacre, but the factual aspect was dropped. Um, when Van Sant talks about why, why do the shooters do this, he says, well, if we knew the reasons definitively, we'd have, we'd have put them in. It could almost be the weather, so we showed the clouds. Could it be madness? So we showed him holding his head. Could it be video games? Could it be him getting bullied? Things being thrown at him in the classroom. And Van Sant says, you know, it's within our reason as human beings to identify the reason why something happened so that we can feel safe. It's demonized. It's then controlled. And to not have a reason, he says, is against nature. And it, it unsettles people because if you don't know the reason for something, how can you possibly stop it? happening again he discusses a uh, bowling for columbine he says matt stone said that if you go to a high school you're made to feel if you don't achieve something there you won't succeed later on 
you know, adults can brush that off, whereas adults think more short, long term. Younger people think more short term. And I, th- I was just thinking this goes back to how bright Alex is. Um, n- not that you know that he had a future, but for whatever reason, he he decided to to take this route. Uh, so that's my. Um, I was going to say rather depressing. Um, it's just quite a heavy subject to talk about, isn't it? Um, that was my rather in-depth review of Elephant. I hope you enjoyed it. If you um, would like to rate this review, you can do so. Uh, well, rate this podcast. You can do so on podchaser.com. Just search review it yourself. You can also find the podcast on Instagram and Twitter, on Good Pods. We're also on Apple and Google Podcasts. Get us. Um, and... Yeah, if you could leave reviews there, that would be fantastic. Um, I'd really appreciate it. And I will be back tomorrow with another review. I think we're going to do Bad Santa. Um, I think I need an uplifting film next. Thank you for listening.